Caitlin saves the day. Uh, all right, so I am. Thanks, Caitlin. I am um, pretty pretty excited about the speaker for this weekend. His name is Levi, and when I I, I first heard of him, because um, he started at Northridge, and that's not far from Oak Point, and I was like, I want to meet this guy. He's a high school pastor. He used to live in Madison, Wisconsin. We won't hold that against him. I think he's a Badgers fan. Are, are, are you a Badgers fan? It's not good. <laughs> We're holding that against him. Yeah, it's okay. You can make fun of him for being a, a Badgers fan. Go, go blue. Um, <clears throat> so... so <laughs> So Wisconsin was his home for a bit, but Boston, right? You grew up in Boston, so he's, you know he's, you know, he'd say like things like "wicked cool" to him, and he would understand that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but so I grabbed coffee with this guy and um, Levi, and everything that I had heard about him um, turned out to be true and more. Like this guy's heart, his heart is incredible. His love for people, his love for Jesus is awesome. Um, I've gotten to know him a little bit, uh, and he's just a solid dude. So I'm just really, really excited for you to hear from him. Um, so I'm going to pray for him. He's going to come up. He's going to do every session. So you're going to get to know him and, um, he's going to get to know you guys as well. So let's pray for Levi, pray for our time, pray as we open the Bible together during our session. God, thank you so much for Levi that he was free this weekend. Um, You have a plan for him. You have a plan for him here. And you have a plan for us here. God, thank you for ordaining this so that we're here together. And God, may you speak through him. uh, Holy Spirit, speak through him to our hearts. Uh, We want to hear from you this weekend. So use Levi to do that. And I pray all this in your son Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right. How we doing? All right. All right. Good. Hey, it's good to be with you guys. Excited to hang out with you. Uh, like Adam said, I'm, I'm new to Michigan. And I would say just this likewise to take a moment to honor Adam. Um, hung out uh, a few times, a little bit. And I would say what I've noticed about your uh, pastor is that he is thoughtful. He's intentional. He asks good questions. And how, do you, how many of you know you can tell a lot about a person by what other people say when they're not in the room? And I have a lot of friends that just speak so highly of who he is and, and what he's meant in their lives. And so, um, on, yeah, yeah, Adam. And I'm excited to be with you. Uh, I did bring the, the, a photo of my family, we'll, we'll, just so you can be like, all right. Uh, and so uh, we're not usually that white, but we are... We are in that photo. Um, so that's my wife, Morgan, and we've got four kids. I love them like crazy. Uh, the oldest one, the oldest boy, his name's Justice. He really wanted to come this weekend. I said, not yet, buddy, not yet. Um, but I do believe, I, I've been praying a lot for this weekend. And I, I know, again, it's, uh, there's a lot of buildup, a lot of excitement. There's the bus ride. Um, but I would say, I mean, I took time even to get here early today and was just praying that God would do something significant in your life this weekend. And uh, I, I hope, um, just as you've already been challenged, I, I hope that you'll quiet out the other noise. I, I hope that you'll make space. I hope that you'll make room for God to do something in your life. And I can remember moments and seasons and, and, and specific times where God just spoke the right word at the right moment. And for some of you, that could happen this weekend. 
Some of you, God might uh, start to stir your heart of maybe you'll be called to, to a life of ministry or, or to a, another specific calling to become a, a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer or whatever God may have for you. For some of you, this weekend could be a weekend of just healing and where maybe you've been holding on to some things and, and God might heal and restore and renew you. And so um, I hope that you will allow that to happen. I hope that you'll have a, a soft heart and an open mind for what God would do. And this weekend, um, we're going to be talking in all four sessions, we're going to be talking about the idea of valleys. And valleys are significant in scripture, um, both literally and, and in a metaphoric way. Uh, valleys um, represent often seasons that are very hard and difficult. And, and, and seasons that, that are, man, they just stink to be in, to be honest. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum in the Bible, you, you, you hear mountaintops talked about a lot. And mountaintops often represent uh, like really great moments and, and really impactful moments, moments where, where like there's joy and there's happiness. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's valleys. And then most of life is just kind of in this boring, mundane middle space, right? And, and so a few things to know about valleys, right? If you're in a valley, right, you're up top. And what's nice about being up top is you can see a little clearer, right? You, no? Okay, all right. Uh, I can see you a lot better, right? Now, if I was, like, if I, if I talked the whole time from down here, you guys in the back would be like, this guy's terrible, Adam. I don't like him, right? And, and, and likewise, uh, can, I, can I go here? Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate you. No, you can stay seated. I'm just going to stand here. Uh, like, if I'm here, I'm also visible, which is kind of nice. Like, you have to look at me, right? We put bands on stage. We put speakers on stage. Why? Because we want you, you know, I'm visible. Now he's visible. Looking, what's your name? Ryan Reynolds, he's visible, right? He's looking good. Uh, but, but likewise, it, like if I just hang out on the floor, all I see are your, dude, I just see your scuffed up sneakers. Just, I mean, it is what it is. There, it is what it is, I, right? So, so there's, there's this balance between mountaintops where, where life is good, where, where life is visible, where you can see where you need to go, and then valleys, Valleys, hard moments, hard times. And we're going to read a, a passage that I, I think a lot of you, if you've been around church, you'll probably be familiar with. And, and even if you haven't read too much of the Bible, we're going to read Psalms 23. Yeah. Hey. All right. We're hyped for Psalms 23. I love it. And it says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me Besides still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in the right path for his name's sake. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, the, the, the valley of the shadow of death, I don't know about you, uh, but I grew up, I grew up almost exclusively in, in cities. I'm a city kid, and so when you bring me out to the backwoods of Michigan, I just get a little skeptical, like the, the walk back to my cabin tonight, I'm probably going to turn the, the, the flashlight on my phone on, because here's the deal, 
I'm, I, anybody like you like hunt and you're like out in the country, you shoot your guns and you drive your truck. Like that's just not, I just never did that. And so like, honestly, I, I have this conversation with my friends all the time. I'm like, if you were to pick me up and, and, and I had the choice and you're like, listen, we'll put you out in the middle of a cornfield or we'll put you downtown Detroit. I'm like Detroit all day, right? Cause like I, if I've run into somebody out in a cornfield, I'm like, what are you doing here, man? Like, I, it's all, like all I know is you're about to strap me up in your barn. It's going to be a bad day. Why? Because none of us, we don't like being in the dark. We don't like being in the dark. Uh, a few reasons why. One is it, it, you, you can't see. And I want to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have to fight somebody, I at least want to be able to see who I'm going up against. Even if I'm going to lose, I at least want to see them. Right? And so our senses start to diminish a little bit. It becomes a little bit harder to trust what we're looking at. How many, how many of you know, like noises in the dark, like, like I, the, the woods make some noises. I just, I'm like, I don't, that's not an animal. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that was, but I'm about to walk a little faster, right? Uh, uh, like why? Because when you can't see it, it, you, it, any of you, you start hearing phantom things. You're like, you heard, you heard that? They're like, no, I didn't hear anything. Why? Because when it's dark out, when you're in a valley, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, a shadow of darkness, you start to, to not really trust your senses, what you can see and what you can hear. And then sometimes your imagination starts to run a little wild on you. I, uh, I have two brothers, two sisters. I'm right in the middle. And me and my younger brother, we shared a room for a lot of our growing up. And uh, the thing was, for a while, we had the same bedtime. And the trick was to get ready and get in bed before him. And here's why. Because when we were young, somebody's got to hit the lights out. And... Uh, some of you, this is going to hit ho- close to home, right? And so I knew, like, our beds were there, and I knew it was about two of my biggest steps, and then, like, a jump. Like, I, I honestly, I could, I think I could be in the Olympics for that jump because for some reason the lights are on. I'm like, this is nice. I like my room. I'll play in my room. The moment the lights go out, there's like monsters on my bed, under my bed, right? So I can't just casually walk up to my bed because they're going to suck me down into the pit of hell. And so what I got to do, what I got to do, one, is I got to get to bed before my little brother so that he has to hit the lights out because then he's got to do the two big steps and the jump. Um, but if he beats me, then, right, any of you, and you're like, no one else. I'm the only one. All right. Only one being honest about being scared of the dark. And so the trick was boom, boom, boom. Right. And I like, and then there's the times and you miss anybody. And I like, I hit my, I just hit my bedpost two, two, you know, boom and down. Um, why? Cause there's monsters under my bed. Come on. Don't pretend like you're casually just walking up to your bed. This is pleasant. No, like, you know, you know, when the lights go out, there's monsters under there. So, so listen, so then fast forward a few years. Listen, listen, my little brother, now we have different bedtimes. This is ideal for me. This is good. Although it will be dark, this is ideal. So what I would do is, you know, same routine. Hey, go, go brush your teeth. Go say goodnight. So he's going to brush his teeth. His name was Anthony. And what I would do is I'd come into the room and I'd just get right underneath his bed. <laughs> right? He'd come in. I'd hear him big step, big step, jump into the bed. I just hunkered down for like a good five minutes, you know, long enough, right? For him to get comfortable. He's feeling good. And then the trick is the volume. 
The, the, the next part is crucial because too loud and he knows it's you, but too soft and he doesn't really hear you. So I'd wait for him and just say, Anthony. And then I'd say nothing. I'd just, I'd just wait, right? And you hear him like stirring. And after a while, even though I'd done it multiple times, I'd be like, Levi, I know that's you. I'd be like, nothing, nothing. Wait another five minutes. He's starting to think, all right, I prayed. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> and, and I would, man, and, and, then, and then it would get worse. It would get worse. Because then what I would do is I'd just slowly start to tug his sheets. Just a little at a time. Just a little at a time. And he's pulling back. He's like, I know it's you. But he's not looking on the bed because why? The monsters, right? Anybody? No one else? I'm the only one? Oh, man. Uh, why? Because we're scared of the dark. Because when you are in the dark, it's hard to trust what you see. When you're in the dark, it's hard to trust what you hear. It's hard to trust what you think. And it's hard to trust e- even your imagination can run wild on you. And David, he writes this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. And even though I'm with my good shepherd, and even though I have everything I need, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right path for his namesake. You ever notice how good this story's going until the next verse? It's like, this is nice. A nice, pleasant walk by a spring. I like that. And then he goes a hard right turn. He says, even when I walk, Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Here's our main idea. We're going to talk about it all weekend. Is that all of us, all of us in this room, all of you came in, different family, different home life, but all of us in this room, you are either in a valley, and you walked in, and there's some things weighing heavy on your soul. There's some things that are causing some some fear or some anger, some worry, some anxiety, All of us are either in a valley, some of you, maybe you just got out of a valley, or you're headed into a valley. Some of you, you're in it, you're in the thick of it, you're trying to pretend like everything's fine, on the outside you're trying to project like you're doing good, and life is good, but internally, you're walking through a valley. Some of you, you just just came out of a mess. And you're like glad just to be like catching your breath, but, but maybe you haven't even fully processed what you've just been through. And some of you, you just have this, you have this pit in your stomach and you're like, I mean, I feel like, I feel like things are, are barely hanging on. All of us, we're either in a valley, just got out of a valley or we're headed into a valley. So real quick, I want you, even now, just real quick, I want you just to pause and I want you to think, where are you at? Out of those three, where are you at? The ability to, to, to be honest with yourself, the ability to, to honestly self-assess the state of your heart, the state of your soul, the state of your mind before God. Where are you at this weekend? I, I, I've learned a few things about valleys. The first is that valleys are inevitable. There's no way around them. It doesn't matter. It, 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 I think sometimes we think if I can just be a good human being, if I can just be a good Christian, maybe I won't go through valleys. Valleys, they're inevitable. They're going to happen to you. It, there's, no, there's no avoiding it. it. It's not because you're a good human or because you're a bad human. It's simply because you're a human. And we live in a broken world. We live in a world where we cause each other hurt and pain, where we cause ourselves hurt and pain. And we live in a world where eventually life is going to get hard. 
The, the, the numbers for your generation on dealing with stress, with anxiety and depression, I mean, they're, they're breaking records in all the wrong ways. I mean, we, we could go through it statistically and just even count off, but it wouldn't even do it justice. The reality is that most of us in this room, most of you in this room at this stage in life, you're walking through some heavy things, some weighty things. And I wish I could tell you, hey, follow Jesus and you'll never have any hardship. You'll never have any difficulty. It just wouldn't be true. Valleys, they're inevitable. We live in a broken world. Second thing is that valleys are impartial. It doesn't pick favorites or least favorites. In fact, in Deuteronomy 11, it's talking about the Israelites and they're getting ready to walk into what's called the promised land. Like the, the land, the, the, the place, they're following God's will. They're actually doing what God has called them to do. And Deuteronomy 11, 11 says this, the promised land you are about to enter is a land of hills. Great, that's good. And valleys, hills and valleys. E even when you're doing what God has called you to do, even when you're in total surrender, even when you're in total submission to God, your life is gonna have hills and valleys. It's gonna have great moments. It's gonna have hard moments. Valleys, they're impartial. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're male, you're female. It doesn't matter what home life looks like, all of you. I, I, again, a lot of us, we try to strive to just say, could, could I live a life where maybe if I don't take risks or maybe if I don't put myself out there or, or maybe if I build up these defense mechanisms, maybe then the, the valleys won't hit so hard. But it just, it, all of us, it's inevitable. They're impartial. But here's the good news. They can be purposeful. There's hope. There's hope in the valley. God can do something significant in your life. God can do significant things in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in the direction of your life, in what feels like the hardest, most difficult moments of life. Psalms 34, 19 says, The good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too. But the Lord helps him in each and every one. I mean, the Psalms say it. Even if you're good, even if you're following Jesus, troubles, they're coming, valleys, they're impartial. But the Lord helps him in each and every way. I, uh, one of the things I hate most in life, I hate it, running, anyone else? Like if it's, like if it's like basketball or it's a sport, I'm, I'm great. Like any cross country runners in here? Okay, okay. Just one, just one person's like, I like running. I hate running. I hate running. Uh, it's my least favorite thing. It, like if you give me an activity, even if we're just playing tag, I can run all day. But the moment it's like, hey, go run three miles. I, it, like it takes so much willpower to just stay mentally engaged. I, like you, any of you, you have like a, a, an app that you can track it. Like I get out and I'm like feeling good. I'm like, who's it been? Five, six miles? A quarter mile. Oh, Great. This is wonderful. I hate running. I hate running, which, because uh, I, I just, ah, uh, it's too, it's so boring. It's like, what do I do? What do I think about? What do I do? And so it, it's ironic because twice in my life, listen, twice in my life, I have uh, run a half marathon. Let me explain. Um, I did not train for either of these races. I did not train for any of these races because 24 hours before the race, I did not know that I would be in the race. Uh, 
Let me explain. The first race, it was in college, is my freshman year of college, and the floor, the dorm floor I lived on, they had this tradition where they would sign all of the freshmen up to run the half marathon, and they wouldn't tell them till the night before. And then they'd wake you up and take you to the starting line, and then you're just supposed to run a half marathon. And uh, so, obviously, I'm like away from home. I'm pretty sure this would be illegal now. Somebody would get caught and, and be on CNN. But back in, in, in when I was in college, it was okay, I guess. And so I wake up, they wake me up, they bring me to the starting line, and I run a half marathon having never trained for it. And honestly, guys, at the time, I did all right. Like, I'm pr- I finished it. Um, that by the end, I was like still feeling good. And then, you know, you ever see like the, the old grandmas running and they like have like, you're like, how do you get your elbows? And I'm like, and they're, they're cruising by me. So the race goes okay, um, but I've never run a race. I don't know how to train for a race. I go home and I'm really tired because do you know those races start really early in the morning and I go to sleep and I go to sleep and I sleep, I slept real good. I slept some of the best sleep I've ever had. And I go to get out of my bed, having never trained for a race, and literally <laughs> fall. I had to drag myself. I had to army crawl to my bedpost, pull myself up. That was the first race I did not train for. The second race I did not train for, I had just moved to Madison, Wisconsin. And in Madison, Wisconsin, they love endurance races. They do the Ironman. They have a, a marathon. They have a half marathon. Like, honestly, it feels like every weekend you're trying to get somewhere and if you're in downtown Madison, there's a run going on. And so, I don't know if you can tell it, I'm middle-aged, I'm winded just from talking to you guys, and so <laughs> I'm trying to fight the dad bod. And so about twice, three times a year, I get inspired, and I'm like, you know what? Today, today's the day. I'm gonna be a runner. You know, I'm gonna run the heck out of this place. And I'm convinced, I really am convinced, I still am convinced, if I could just get the right playlist, like I don't know a good running playlist, but if I could get the right playlist, I think I could be a runner. And so I get my shoes on, I get my shorts on, and I got my phone. I kind of know, you know, from six months ago, the route I took, and I felt like that was a good route. And so I'm going, and I'm looking for my playlist. I'll tell you, I'm honestly... Sometimes pastors lie. This is an honest, true story. I, I, I'm, run, I'm doing my jog, my middle-aged jog, and I'm looking for my playlist. And it takes me a minute because, I, I, again, I never know. I never know what I want to listen to, what's going to inspire me. And so finally, I find my list, and I look up, and I'm like, man, there are so many runners in Madison. It's crazy how many other people decided at 9.30 a.m. on a Saturday to come and run. And we get a little bit further down the road, and now... There's people on both sides of the road and they're cheering for me now. And this is the moment that I realized this is not good. Because at some point, while looking at my phone, I'm honestly looking at my phone, trying to find the right playlist. I have now entered into an organized race. I don't have a number. I don't have even the right shoes. I was anticipating like a mile and a half, two miles, maybe two and a half miles if I'm feeling really good, which I never am at that point. And I am now in a race. And where I entered in the race, there was a lot of space. There wasn't too many people, but now there's a lot of people. And the only thing harder than accidentally getting into a race that you didn't know about is getting out of a race that you didn't know about. Because now I'm running and every time I'm like veering towards the side, they're like, you can do it. I'm like, what do I do? Am I about to run 10 miles out of peer pressure? And eventually my body says, you're not. You're not ready for this. And 
And so eventually I'm like, this is going to about to be real awkward, but I'm getting out of here. I don't know how I'm getting home. And honestly, I don't even know where they've taken me to, but I'm, I'm getting out somehow. And I go and this lady's like, don't give up. Here's some water. And I'm like, ma'am, I'm not in this race. Like I, I don't have the number. I don't have the, 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 the GPS. I don't even know what this race is. I'm not in this race. Twice in my life have run a race that I never set out to run, that I never intended to run. And the honest, uh, the honest thing tonight is that some of you are stuck in a race that you never meant to run. Some of you are stuck in a valley and maybe unintentionally, maybe it was an intentional choice and you thought it wasn't a big deal. You, you thought maybe, hey, maybe it's just one bad day. And that one bad day turned into a, a week of bad days. And, and now it's turned into sophomore year. And, and sophomore year has turned into a season where you don't know why you're not happy. You don't know why you can't seem to find joy or peace. But, but you're stuck in this race. And you're like, I don't even know how to get out. I'm not sure how I got in. But I feel like I'm running this race and there's no exit. And if I could just see a way to get out of here, I would. But I'm stuck running this race, I guess. Some of you, like home life, some of you, you didn't ask for it. You didn't get to decide that your parents would split up and have a messy divorce. That wasn't on you. But now as you're looking up and you're realizing, do I even know how to have a healthy relationship? Because it feels like I'm just stuck in this pathway. I'm stuck in this race of broken relationship after broken relationship. And it feels like there's no way out. Some of you, it was, it is, man, a, a relationship, a, a guy or a girl, and it started out good. It started out fun. It started out as a good thing, but now you're so deep into it and you're not sure how to get out. This is what a valley is like. These are the seasons of life that happen. We, all of us in this place, we have walked through these moments. And the sad thing about it is that most of us just try to smile. Most of us were like, I, I, I guess I'll just keep going this direction. I, I guess there's no other option for me. And I'm here tonight to tell you that there's a different option. That you don't have to just keep going down this broken, destructive pathway just because you feel stuck in it. Tonight, I, I want to... I wanna, kind of conclude what we're talking about, but I want to just share, here's some valleys you might be walking into tonight. Here's some valleys you might be in the middle of. And then we're going to end talking about what do you do when you're stuck in a valley? The first valley you might be stuck in is a valley of sin. All of us, all of us will have valleys of sin. In the Bible, there's a, a literal valley called the Valley of Siddim. And, and it's the, the valley that Sodom and Gomorrah were in. And they were known to be wicked, sinful cities. And, and, and there's actually a story about a battle that takes place in, in the Valley of Siddim. And it says that, that the, the army that loses, they, they lose in the Valley of Siddim because it's like a sticky tar pit. And I've never found a better representation than what sin is. And they thought, hey, this way will be quicker. This way will give us an advantage. And what they found is like, there, it's a literal area that, that it's like sticky tar pits. And, and man, I've got young kids and like, I know when it's pancake day because when it's like, they get the syrup and then they touch everything. And now everything in my house is just sticky all the time. It's the worst. And this is what sin is like. Some of you, you, you're like, man, well, I'm just going to watch this one show. It's not a big deal. And, and then you realize like, oh man, I really don't mind seeing that person naked at all. And then it led to, to uh, an addiction of pornography. And, and it feels like you can't get out. 
And you, you started off and it was innocent. You started off and you didn't think it was going to be a big deal. But now it seems to be in every area of your life. And you're like, how do I get this sticky mess of sin that I'm now in out of my life? Some of you, it's just, it's lying. You're not sure what the first one was. You're not even sure why you told that first lie. But, but now you're having such a hard time backtracking all of the, the misrepresentation and, and, and the lies and untrue things. It's just, it just feels sticky. It just feels messy. Sin. It's not a fun thing to talk about, but some of you, you're, you're stuck. And you, like you, you, you come and, and you worship and you're like, God, you know what it is because you just take it all. But, but then you, it's like you turn right around and you're just stuck in this valley of sin. The second valley is a valley of decision. Valley of trying to, to make a, a clear choice. Some of you, you have to make some choices and it weighs on your soul. It feels like a weight. It feels like an anchor. There's a valley called the Valley of Eshkol. And it's the valley that the Israelites are in right before they're supposed to go into the promised land. And all they've known is wandering around. All they've known is slavery. All they've known is a broken mindset. And so they're at the doorsteps of the beautiful promise of God, but they're stuck at the valley of decision. They, they like the idea of the promised land. They like the idea of walking God's promises, but they don't know how to actually like walk through that valley. They're stuck. They're stuck. Some of you, it's like, man, do I keep playing this sport or do I not? Do, do I stay in this activity? Do I not? Do I keep dating this person? Do I not? Some of you, it's like you feel the weight of these decisions on your, on your heart, on your soul. Like, man, I, I, could somebody just make this decision for me? Could somebody else just like tell me what to do? Because it feels like every week, every day, I come back to the same decision and I just can't seem to see where I'm supposed to go. You're stuck in a valley of decision. Some of you, it's pain or suffering. I, I, hope, I hope it's not, but some of, you, some of you have had some hurt or pain happen to you that you didn't ask for, that you don't deserve to have happened to you, but it's there. Some of you have some, some pain from, from just the family you grew up in. And you're like, man, can everybody just see how much pain and dysfunction I'm trying to hide and just stuff down and pretend like it's okay? Some of you, it's like you feel the weight of suffering and yet you show up to church and you're just like, ah, isn't, how's, life's good, good, you're good? We're, good, we're all good? In the Bible, there's a, a valley called the Valley of Kidron. The other name for it is the Valley of Jehoshaphat, and it's actually, it's described as a cemetery. It's just where dead things live. Bad memories live. The past just lives, and some of you, you've got pain, and you've got suffering, and it's like every time you turn around, all you see and all you feel is hurt and pain. You wish you, wish you didn't. You wish for, for some reason that you could have had a different life or a different set of circumstances. You wish there was someone you could talk to. You wish there was some place that you could get healing, but it just feels like it's pain after pain after pain. Next is a, a valley of conflict. In the Bible, there's a valley called the, uh, the Valley of Elah, and we're going to talk about it tomorrow night. But it, this is the valley that David fights Goliath in. 
And it's like, man, not only am I in a low point of life, but it feels like there, there's literal people who are against me. It, it feels like, man, I just have, why do I have to fight for everything? How come some people, it's just like, man, it seems like everything's just handed to them. But for me, I, why does it feel like, man, I just always have conflict? Why is everyone always angry at me all the time? Why do I always have to have a chip on my shoulder? Why can't it just be easy? Next is a valley of punishment. And I want to clarify, this isn't a God-inflicted valley. This is that you've made some choices and you've done some self-inducing pain. In the Bible, there's a story where they talk about the Valley of Acre. And in that, it's a family that chooses to walk away from God. And all they know is punishment. And it just feels like no matter what you do, if you pick option A or option B, it's the wrong one. If I do this, it's wrong. If I do that, it's wrong. It just feels like, like, like life is just punishing you. Next is a valley of sadness. There's a valley called uh, the Valley of Baca. And it literally means weeping. A place of sadness. And some of you, it just hangs over you like a, like a shadow. You just like, it, like life, just like, I, I wish I didn't feel always melancholy. But man, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of the last time that I had real joy. Can't remember the last time that that I wasn't laughing because it was sarcasm or it was putting somebody else down. I can't really remember a time where I wasn't just a little bit sad, where I wasn't feeling just a little bit overwhelmed. Last valley is a valley that's described in Psalm twenty-three: the valley of the shadow of death, just the darkness. Some of you, the reality is. Man, you, like, you came on this weekend and it feels like your last hope. And it just feels like, man, there's a, man, I just don't know what life feels like. So what do we do? Because we're all going to have these moments. You can't avoid them. You can't outrun them. You can't pretend like they're not there. You can, you can try. You can't pay enough money. To, to, to pass over them. What do you do when you're in a valley? There's hope. I promise there's good news. So you're like, this is the worst, most depressing message ever. There's good news. What do you do when you're in a valley? First thing you can do is that you got to learn to move through it. Ben, if you want, you guys can come up. You got to learn. Uh, I would say that, that in, in this This first step move, a lot of times I would say this looks a lot more practical. Some of you, honestly, some of you need to start like getting accountability just to get sleep because you're so tired. You're so exhausted. You've looked at your phone for so many hours that your brain just it's not functioning at its best. Some of you, this isn't too spiritual. Some of you need to eat a, a salad or something green. That's not a Jolly Rancher. Like, like I, I don't mean to make light of it, but, but sometimes moving through it looks a lot more practical. Sometimes God moving in your life is making the decision to, to stop living in such a frantic pace, to being so glued to, to your phone that, that you don't really have any thoughts of your own. 
Don't get stuck in a valley. Uh, my junior year, my junior year was one of the worst years of my life. I had played uh, high school football and midway through my junior year, our football season, I was really excited to try to play in college. And I got into a physical fight with my football coach and I got instantly kicked off the football team. I didn't really know how to process that. So what I did is I went and I just started drinking every single night. Because that's the only other outlet that, that was satisfying to me. Man, this, this dream that I had, this thing that I was so excited for, it's instantly taken away. And, and so all I did, man, it was like day after day after day. I remember my, my parents, they, they looked at me and said, like, you just, you look like a zombie. We don't know what's going on. If you would just tell us. And I just refused to let myself just move out of my self-pity. I would literally go to the same house every single day with the same group of friends. And I refused. I did the same routine and I wanted a different result. Some of you, the first step to getting out of the valley that you're stuck in, it's a practical one. Some of you, it's saying, you know what? I'm canceling any other plan. I'm going to be at every single 707. I'm not just going to come once a month. I'm not, I don't need the text reminder because I know that I need to be in that space. Some of, some of you, it's like you, you, you can't even talk about what you're going through. You're internally, you're crying for help, but practically you, you let yourself stay stuck in the same mindset. You need, to, you need to have a practical plan. You need to start thinking logistically, hey, how, how can I, I, I shift up what I'm doing? You need to learn to, to move through your valley. Don't let yourself start to live and, and build camp and, and start to just plant roots in a valley you weren't meant to live in. You need to learn to move through your valley. The second, and, and this is valleys, they can be purposeful. Is you've got to learn to grow through your valley. Valleys can, uh, they're hard. They're difficult. I, I, wish I, I wish I didn't have to go through them. But I, what I'm learning, what I'm learning is that I can grow through them. You know, you know what? Uh, they've actually, it's, it's a real thing. You go up to a mountain, you get to the top. There's not a whole lot of life growing there. You can see real far, but there's not a whole lot of, uh, of things living you get down into a valley and there's life there. Something can grow there. Because although it's low, although it's hard to see, uh, it has the ability to collect water and sunlight and to be a place where growth can happen. Some of you, you're in this valley because God's trying to grow you. He's trying to stretch you. He's trying to mature you. Isaiah 43, two says, when you go through deep waters and great troubles, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God's with you. He, he, he wants you to grow through this. He, he's not gonna let it overtake you. He's not gonna let it overwhelm you. If you will give it to him, if you will surrender to him. You can grow through your valley. In Psalms 23, it talks about, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then the next verse, I love it, says, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to talk about the rod and the staff real quick. This is one of the ways that you grow. 
a shepherd had two tools, a rod and a staff. And, and the rod was more, if a sheep was going to wander off and cause some harm to itself, it was more of a corrective tool. It's saying, hey, you're, you're headed that way. If you do, it's not going to be good. And so we're going to have a temporary pain so that you can have overall health. And there's times in my life where God's had to, to, to correct some things in my life address some things in my life because I I didn't surrender it to him. I wanted to go my own direction. I didn't want to grow through it. And and God's had to to address some things. I've had to change some things. I've needed the Holy Spirit to convict some things. The staff was a little bit different. The staff was the one that had the hook and the staff was so he could pull you close. For some of you, that's what God wants to do this week. And he just wants to pull you close. Because if you can get close enough, you could grow. You get close enough, you can start to understand the heart of the shepherd, the heart of your heavenly father, the heart of your savior. Sometimes growth looks like correction. Sometimes growth looks like protection though. The staff was for, for a different kind of protection. Romans 5, three through five says, we can even rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And that kind of hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts. Some of you, it's suffering. It feels a lot like suffering. I'm telling you that that if you'll cling to God, if you'll go in the direction of God, if you'll open up your heart and your soul and your mind to God, that that thing that feels painful, that suffering now, it's going to create some endurance. And that endurance is going to create the character you need. And I love this because at the end of character, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. You don't have to be stuck in the valley. You don't have to live in the valley. There's hope. But you've got to grow through the valley. The last is that we need to learn to worship God through it. To learn to worship in the middle of the valley. God, uh, it sounds overly simplistic, but I'm telling you, God, he's the answer. Where is hope found? It's found in in the person of Jesus Christ. It's personified by the life of Jesus Christ that that you have access to tonight. Psalms 23, we've read it a few times, but did you notice he starts out and and the way he talks about God, he says, the Lord is, is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still uh, quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. But I love it because in verse four, there's a shift and it says, even though I walk through the valley, uh, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He goes from talking about a he, a a person that he maybe knows some facts or some ideas about to saying now you. And, And when you say you, it's saying, I know you. I can talk about he. You can come to church and tell me stories about he. You, you can tell me stories about what Jesus did. But do you, do you know him in a way that says, I know you, Jesus. I know you like a friend. I know you personally. I know you in a way where I allow you to speak into my life. I, I know you like, like I actually enjoy you, Jesus. It actually looks and sounds like it, it, and it's lived out like real relationship. There's this shift. He talks about where God is positioned. He talks about his character, but but when he's in trouble, he he personalizes it and he says, I know you. 
My question tonight is, do you actually know him in a relational way? Do you actually know him in a real way where you can say, God, I know your character and I know your plans and I know, I know who you are. This is what worship is. Worship is just declaring in a, in a personalized way who God is. David goes from he to you. He personalizes his words in the valley. He learns to worship in the middle of the valley. I want to end with this thought. Uh, a few things. Uh, Psalms 23, it talks about the shadow of the valley of death. He, he, he doesn't talk about it as a specific location. So the shadow of the valley of death is not an actual specific location, although he might have one in mind. And so what he's talking about, he's talking about a valley that just has a shadow over it. And, and here's a few thoughts on shadows. I don't know if you've noticed it, but shadows make things a little darker, right? Uh, like if a shadow of a car goes by you, it's, a, it's just a dark outline. So some of you, you're walking through a valley and, and it just feels a little bit darker. Man, there's just like this, this darkness of sin or decision or pain or conflict. And it just feels like it's looming over your life because a shadow makes everything feel a little bit darker. And he actually uses it like it's a, he calls it the, the valley of the shadow of death or darkness. Shadows also make everything look a little bit bigger. And so if we're not careful, we start to look at this sin or this mistake that I've made or this, this lie that I've told or this conflict or this unresolved peace and it starts to consume and it starts to look bigger. Like, but it's just a shadow. And here's the good news. The third thing I know about a shadow is that wherever there's a shadow, it's because there's a light. Wherever there's a shadow, it's because there's a light and that light is Jesus Christ. And if you start to read scripture, what you realize is that sin and shame is always described as darkness. But on the other side of that, just like you have, have valleys, you have mountains, you have darkness and you have light. And that light is Jesus. It's personified by the nature and the character of Jesus. In Matthew 4, 16, it's talking about who Jesus is and how he's fulfilling scripture. And it says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death referencing psalm 23 a light has dawned because wherever there's a shadow it may feel dark but it's because but there's also a light present it it may look bigger but there's a light present and i'm telling you tonight whatever you're walking through whatever valley that you're in there is a light present it it may feel small it may feel hard to see but there's a light present that, that wants to break through in your life and lead you and guide you and comfort you and shelter you and know you in a personal way i'm going to invite you just for a, a quick second just to close your eyes right where you're at I moved to Michigan in January of 2020. I moved from Madison, Wisconsin, and I never wanted to leave Madison. I loved Madison. My wife and I, we had planted a college ministry there and we had seen God just do miracle after miracle. We lived there for about five and a half years and it was, it was one of the most enjoyable seasons of life. Some of my kids were born in Madison. I never wanted to leave Madison. And I remember in August of 2019, I was on vacation and I just felt like I was saying, hey, get ready for change. I thought it would be within what's happening at Madison. Fast forward and and we're getting ready to now move to Michigan. I didn't want to move to Michigan. I wasn't looking for a job to come to Michigan. Uh, I didn't want to go to Michigan, but we, we felt like we heard clearly from God, you're supposed to go to Michigan. 
We're getting, we're moving on New Year's and I, I get such a bad cold and cough that I'm coughing so much, like my ribs hurt. I'm like, God, what is going on? But then I get to go on a winter retreat with, with the, the kids that I pastor. I'm like, okay, maybe there's hope here. And then within a month, COVID hits. I was angry. I was so angry. I was in a valley of darkness. I was so mad at God. I mean, I'm legitimately like, I'm like, God, why did you make me move so that I could just sit in my, in my house in a state where I don't know anybody around? I, like, I was so angry. And instead of worshiping, what I did is I let that shadow grow and it got darker and it got bigger. I mean, I didn't want to have quiet time, like virtual church, trying to get people to do Zoom with some middle-aged dude they'd never even really met. I was so mad, so angry. April of of 2020, uh, actually our, our fourth kid was born, our little baby girl, her name's Zion Joy. And again, same thing. They're, they're saying, maybe you won't be able to be in the delivery room. We, we didn't even have family around us. We're like, how are we going to have a kid? We didn't even have a vehicle that could fit our whole family once the baby's born. Now I'm like, God, why would you make, why? Why did you make me move? I was so mad. And that little baby, she, she's born Zion Joy. And, and we're talking to one of the nurses and she said, and that's a unique name telling her about all the, the names of our kids and, and how we wanted them to have names that had significant meaning. And then she's like, well, what, is, what does her name mean? In Zion Joy, it means city or refuge of joy, or it could also mean high point of joy. And I'm explaining that in the middle of having not talked to God for, for I'm telling you, two months, and anger and resentment in my heart, I'm trying to explain to this nurse that we named our, our daughter because we, we feel like even in our lowest moments, God is our city and refuge of joy. And she walks out of the room and I just break down. And in that moment, I, I can't explain it. I, I, I don't know how to tell you, but I felt the presence of God. I felt the, the peace of God saying, that's what I am for you. I'm, I'm your refuge of joy. When you're angry, when you're frustrated, when it doesn't make sense, when you're even mad at me with all the negative things you said, all the negative things you've put out there, I'm still your city of joy. I'm still your refuge of joy. I haven't abandoned you in your valley. I haven't uh, forgot about you in your valley, but I need you to move through your valley and I need you to grow through your valley. And I need you to remind yourself that even in the value valley, you can find that joy. You can find that refuge that you're longing for. And some of you tonight, need to be reminded that there is a refuge, there is a city of joy in your life. Some of you need to be reminded that you don't have to hold on to that depression, that you don't have to be overwhelmed by that anxiety, that you don't have to be stuck in that sin, that you can change the destiny of your family, that you don't have to have broken relationships just because that's what you were born into, that there is a God who is the light of the world and he's in the middle of your valley. And so what we're going to do in wrapping up is, is, is just for a moment, we're going to leave this list of valleys up there. And it's important. It's important at this point that you start to realize, here's the valley that I'm in. Or here's the valley that I just came out of. So it, it's important because in a little bit, you're going to go to your groups. And it's important that you can actually verbalize. If I'm being honest, if I'm really being transparent, here's where I'm at. So I'm going to give you just, just one moment. I want you to look at that list. Here's 
my, my last thought is that on the other side of all of these valleys, there's purpose. So if your valley is sin, on the other side of it, there's salvation if you want it. It's found in Jesus. It's found through relationship with Jesus. If, if you're in the valley of decision, on the other side of it, there's vision and there's clarity, but it only comes through Jesus. It only comes as you start to worship him and know him and, and, and walk with him. On the other side of pain, I'm telling you there's healing, but it comes in the form of Jesus Christ and allowing him to reside in your heart. On the other side of conflict, there's peace. But it's only found in Jesus. It's only found when you become fully transparent, when you'll fully surrender. Uh, on the other side uh, of punishment, there is grace. On the other side of sadness, there is joy. And on the other side of death, there is life. And so it's important that you know what valley you're in, but it's more important that you know the character of Jesus that's on the other side. Because some of you, you need life. You need joy. You need peace. You need healing. You need vision and you need salvation. So for the next few moments, the, the worship team is going to come up in a second. They're going to lead us in a song. But I want you to recognize what valley am I in and where is Jesus trying to lead me?